another syllabus journal entry, another report, uh, an update on what we, uh, we see going on in the news and some of the interesting and uh, prevalent facts of our current um, working uh, history of the world here as it, as it unfolds as we go forward and uh, see that the certain circumstances uh, in our daily, daily lives here in America are going to be subject to some excruciating changes here coming up very soon. And we have to kind of prepare ourselves. With the, the, the better informed we are, the the more prepared we are, and the more forearmed we are. So I think that as we go forward, we can see that the American, even even as it's diluted with foreign nationals who are unskilled and unprepared to really survive in American culture and society, and we're dealing with a, a you know, massive influx of of you know foreign populations that are going to ultimately be you know having unfortunately entered the process of becoming an American illegally, they're going to be subject to being like a sub subclass citizens, uh, and, uh, in the shadows, a, an underclass of illegitimate individuals who will be subjected to kind of take over all the menial labor, labor and, and all the, uh, sweaty, uh, working jobs that uh, other people won't really want to take. I think that'll push up, the, the more skilled American uh, populace here, whatever particular ethnicity or racial stripe they might be or particular background or, or personal belief system, the Americans that are here who know how to use computers, how to speak English, know the, the, the lay of the land and uh, are moving upward in the escalator of the American economy are going to find themselves probably very benefited, you know, and find, uh, you know, find that the, the upward mobility of our culture is going to be improved by having millions of of dusty uh, foreign kind of slave workers. You know, it's kind of sad to, to put it that way, but ultimately these people are are undocumented, illegitimate individuals trying to hide their their status, hide their their uh, presence here in the American culture. And of course, this is going to be exceedingly difficult to, in the future because it doesn't matter if you jump over the border and run and hide and wear a USA hat. The, the biometric data of all the different devices and all the, the Wi-Fi signals and all the surveillance, uh, uh, digital, you know, the surveillance equipment that's built into all of our, our private computers and devices is going to ultimately extend the biometric field of, of identifying people with their iris scans and, and with facial recognition technology and so on and so forth that eventually you're not really going to be able to hide in the culture or you're not going to really be able to just subsist on the, on the, on the outskirts in some kind of criminal capacity. And, um, I think that as we're going forward, we got to recognize here that the, the real unspoken uh, tragedy of the, the way that things are, are, are developing here in America is that Europe is finally kind of catching up to the difficulties of having, you know, foreigners run rough, rough shot throughout the countryside and raping, pillaging and plundering the people ruthlessly because they're not interested in, in becoming part of the, the culture there. They're just interested in, in trying to affect some kind of like new Islamic conquest or, or in, in our case of our southern border, it's La Raza trying to brown the, you know, brown the southern states with, uh, not with legitimate, hardworking American citizens who are raising their hand to take an oath and become part of our, our nation. They're just going to brown the southern populace with just illegal colonialists who are just foreign, ignorant, foreign, uneducated, um, 
day laborers, right, pouring in by the millions to just kind of take up the, the sidewalk space everywhere you go. So that, um, you know, and of course, if you look in the inner cities, it's breaking down. You know, people are just rushing in. They like to make Twitter videos of them rushing in and snatching, snatching food out of the barbecue, snatching clothes off the, the shelf, snatching merchandise off the, off the uh, display racks of stores and run out and just keep the stuff. So this is a, 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 you know, because of the, the culture and because of the, the breakdown and the uh, generational curse, if you want, the generational pollution and the generational degeneracy of one uh, family to the next becomes more and more criminalized. Um, you expect that you would, people would raise kids to become more productive and, and you know, law-abiding, productive members of society and, and develop to become strong, you know, wealthy individuals who are leading members of, of the, the social groups around them, positive figures, willing to lend a hand, you know, kind of positive attitude, right? That, that's what you expect in America. But here we have the, de de the, the wholesale degeneracy of entire generations of people that are there just to find a way to beat up an old lady, to steal her purse, to, you know, run in and, and uh, knock out a Jew or play the knockout game and just punch out some, some unsuspecting white guy or, or a couple guys want to murder a white man. So they go find some, uh, some guys outside fixing his mailbox and they kill him. These are all just the headlines, guys. So, I mean, just as I reach around to find examples of the, the depravity and the, and the cultural, uh, the, as we descend into cultural chaos and anarchy, um, it's just really just one anecdote at a time. So it doesn't really affect you until somebody clubs you in the head and, to and bowls you over and, and, uh, you know, I remember during the BLM riots, there was, a, there was a couple that was beaten to death with some ladders in front of their business. They finally went out to try to, you know, you know they were selling merchandise and different equipment in front of their shop. And they go out to try to send people away who are bothering, you know, and of course they get beat half to death. And so this is the kind of, you know, those are the kind of energies that the Antifa BLM uh, uh, hyper partisan um, Marxian hysteria you see generated by money. So these are, these are different individuals who you're going to see like the Soros, you know, um, black rock type massive investing groups. that are going to really, you know, whenever they need to have a, an uproar, whenever they need to have a, a, um, a, a justice based murdering of the, the random populace of Americans, you know, just because of, you know, racism and, you know, past, past instances of, of um, outrage, you know, regarding slavery, you know, nobody wants to talk about the reparations owed all these these men who fought in the North to free the slaves. They they had to give up their sons and husbands and and all their children. They, you know, hundreds of thousands of men murdered to free the slaves in the war. So maybe we should talk about civil war reparations. Maybe the the people who were freed who would still be in bondage today, who would still be enslaved today. Um, whatever, you know, whoever they might have been from whatever extraction in the world, if they were in the slave trade, if they were enslaved by Islamic, uh, you know, uh, 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 pirates, or if they were enslaved by British merchants or by other Africans, shouldn't these individuals who are freed from bondage, shouldn't they pay reparations to the men who died and fought to free them? I think they should. So I think it's all backwards. I think the whole thing is turned upside down. These these people have been freed, and they're not maybe they're not um, you know well equipped for freedom. Where you take your independence and you take your your future and your fate into your own hands. You go out and you make the best of your life, and you do you know do what you, you don't take a, a government handout. You're not a communist, so this, the the government isn't going to come in and, and 
give you money just to live, right? You're going to go out and you're going to be productive, build a business, and you're going to make your own fortune. That's what you do in America. So this idea that somehow white people owe me you know, money because somebody might have been enslaved once, you know, that's that's absurd. And, of course, it's not going to work. And it's it's just there to drive further the wedge between people in America who look different, people who have different melanin content, different skin complexion, are supposed to look suspiciously at each other now because of all this demagoguery that they're doing out in California and in other places. So, you know, th- this is, of course, just another way to slit the throat. You want to send billions and trillions over to Ukraine. We want to spend billions and trillions of just paper money, just print it out on a, on a Xerox and, and hand it out to people. Uh, it reminds me of Obama phones, you know, <laughs> just another way for the, the state to control you. So, you know, they spill out all these billions and trillions of dollars. And when we're completely and utterly uh, replete of any more financial, uh, you know, depleted of any more financial resources and we're completely uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel at the end of our economic life, we can just blame the people who have the dark skin color on their skin who received all the billions of dollars, right? And so it's just a way of creating animosity. It creates social anxiety and it creates a conflagration within the civil society. And that's what Marxist politics is all about. But let me just continue on here because the point of, of our entire discussion here is to get over and take a closer look to what's going on in Europe, which is really the 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 basis of our entire debt load. They, I know they say that we're borrowing money from, from China. What we're doing is borrowing the debt that China holds back from them. Right, so they have a whole bunch of our money, and we're borrowing it back from them uh, to pay other bills. But that—that's not who ultimately the Federal Reserve System and the in the central banking system in America is ultimately indebted to. So we go borrow more credit line from international bankers. That credit line isn't from China. The the credit line that we're we're, we're borrowing from is coming from the the big bankers in the city of London in Europe. So what happens in Europe is, is incredibly important, and what happens here in America is incredibly important to Europe because they expect us to keep on paying them these billions and billions and trillions of dollars uh, back to, to them, the bank credit that they can, you know, in interest uh, back to them because this is all borrowed money. And then when they have those those Federal Reserve notes that we printed out and borrowed from them and we pay them back and we give them back to, to the, the original source of that debt uh, through the IRS – then ultimately they have those banknotes to come in and buy us in the end because we don't have any more left. It's all borrowed. So, you know, if you can't follow that, then you have to go go, um, go to some other moronic podcast where you can, where idiots talk. Okay, but here we're going to just, the point is, is that this whole process of trying to sustain our own currency is unsustainable and it's collapsing and it's, it's falling in and it's breaking down. So we need to go take a closer look at what's going on in Europe. It's important what's happening there. The, the, the power of the divine right of kings and the power of the nobility and the royal class there over the, is growing. Uh, I think that the, the power of d- democracy and American constitutional government and the, and the development, the protection of individual rights through the law was something that diminished uh, the sovereignty of the nobility and the royal families and the royal bloodlines in the past, but that, that is, you know, now that we're indebted and enslaved to them through these banking systems and we're going into a cryptocurrency and we're going to lose control of our, our federal, our paper currency altogether. I think that the, that power of the nobility and the royal classes and the knighthood orders, the papal knighthood orders, like we always talk about, those orders are growing in power once again as America's defense of popular government in the world and America's example of Westphalian uh, nation state 
and Western civilization here in the West is, is beginning to diminish because of our economic insolvency, because of usury, because we borrowed all this money and we can't pay it back. And because of our military is weakening and we've been sold out by corrupt politicians who sold all of our military secrets to our enemies. So the now the rise of European strength will become uh, at the zenith as we begin to diminish. So we need to take a closer look at what's happening in France and Europe and Italy and Spain and see that these issues, and of course, the, the British, the little horn, right, the, the British Empire, the little island, the UK, they separated from the EU. But ultimately, they're still part and parcel of the same hegemonic uh, political uh, dominion there. They're ultimately in the same boat. So we have to further explore the history of the EU, how it came about, uh, how, the, how World War II was instrumental in, in producing the, the state of Israel on one hand, but also the European Union on the other hand, and, and how it has a, a huge occult basis, an occult a leg legend, an occult legacy behind the, the establishment of the European Union and the Euro. So we need to look at what is behind that and what empowers this new move towards globalism. A European Union is just another mock-up of a regional government that kind of mimics the United Nation, the United States. And through the United Nations system, ultimately the European Union and is just it's supposed to be one more unionized territory, like the American Union, like the African Union. So the EU is the ultimate and the original example and the primary example of, of the return of the Holy Roman Empire, and also the, the establishment of a supranational world government that ultimately controls these unions. And we see that established uh, there in The Hague in the European Union, just how we see the United Nations centers established here in New York City, and how the original uh, League of Nations back in the, the 1922 was established in California, in San Francisco. Ultimately, the new, the third permutation of this world government after the United Nations, the League of Nations, the United Nations, and now we have the, the setup of the, of the Hague and, the, and the, its World Council of International Globalism, which is totally connected with the World Health Organization, the World Trade Organization, the World Bank. You know, the, the entire apparatus of globalization is connected with the CCP and it's against American democracy and it's against America's continued ability to have a hegemony in the world. And of course, our establishment of the global reserve currency with a compounding with the with a debt currency. So we, we established the global reserve currency with our debt notes. How foolish was that? So ultimately, the world reserve currency is just a, a banking instrument, a private banking instrument that is subject to compounding debt interest payments. All right. So it, it not, not only are we here in America subjected to the the usury and 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 the this the the, the 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 threat of default of our actual credit rating status and the collapse of our entire financial institution, but the entire world is now as a global reserve currency is is dependent on this collapsing fraudulent money system guys in response to this tweet from gavin newsom house of getty and demon rat governor of california who wrote ceo of target brian cornell is selling out the lgbtq plus community to extremists newsom notes there's a systematic attack on the gay community happening across the country he tells america to wake up he says this doesn't stop here and then fear mongers about blacks asians jews and women he says you're next no friends you're next, American patriot, Christian, Caucasian person, 
or black people, anybody actually who is a Christian and who loves our republic, Gavin Newsom, like all his demon rat ilk, is a hardcore communist who is hell-bent on destroying the youth of America and our country by way of this demonic Marxist cultural revolution. Here are the absolute facts in just two minutes from Alex Newman and Mel Kay. They are on full steam ahead. They're putting billions of dollars into uh, indoctrinating children to believe that the state is actually their parent and that, like Eichmann said, that he, he didn't regret it because he was a good soldier and he did what he did for his flag and his Fuhrer. And I, I really fear that there's a, that that's the bigger picture here than just the trans agenda and all of that. And that's absolutely what's happening, Mel. And, and we now have a whole generation of children who've been alienated from their parents. Right. Uh, you know, I, I traveled this country from coast to coast speaking on education, and I can't count anymore the number of parents who just came up to me and broke down crying. Like, you know, we lost our child. Our child won't talk to us anymore. They, they believe that we're fascist because we like Trump, or they believe that we're white supremacists because we're Republican. Uh, they believe that we're homophobic because we don't accept uh, that homosexuality is good or wholesome. Uh, they believe that we're transphobic because we don't accept new pronouns. Uh, and then you're going to Target, and they've now got little T-shirts for kids that say, uh, you know, Satan respects your pronouns. So this is diabolical. It's an agenda from hell, and it is very specifically designed at breaking down the old system and turning our children into revolutionaries. You look at the data that is coming out now, uh, and the data paints a very, very clear picture. Well over 80% of Christian children who go through 12 years of government school are leaving the church. Uh, they are rejecting their parents. They're actually looking at their parents as evil. Uh, they're being taught that their parents are the reason for global warming, that the parent, their parents are the reason that, uh, you know, for, for white supremacy, that every problem that ever happened to somebody who is of non-European origin is due to your parents because they were white supremacist, colonist, uh, white privilege, whatever. Uh, so these are the same tactics that Adolf Hitler used. These are the same tactics that Chairman Mao used. These are the same tactics that Paul Pot used before he slaughtered about half of the population of Cambodia. So we've seen this movie before, and anybody who thinks it's going to end any differently in America is simply not paying attention. If this is not stopped, it will end in exactly the same way. Massive levels of bloodshed, a total breakdown of civilization, and uh, a horror show beyond anything that your average American today can even begin to imagine. Guys, thanks for being here. Let's begin the conversation with Harley Schlanger. Harley, we have so very much to talk about today. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Sean. It's good to hear from you. It's good to hear and see you as well, my friend. And uh, I'm going to just do a little news roundup. Here are the topics I would like to talk about. Biden and Ukraine, the Pentagon accounting error has resulted in $3 billion more for Ukraine. Meanwhile, we hit the debt ceiling. No money for the people. $3 billion more for Ukraine. How about this line item? Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes sentenced to 18 years in prison for Jan 6th. Germany and France turning against the EU's Green New Deal. Common sense prevails. Just as my interview with MCF Energy CEO James Hill revealed, guys, in this final soundbite I do want to play at some point in the interview, Stu Peters over on Alex Jones. Alex Jones saying, we are an occupied nation with an occupational government. No truer words have been spoken. There was a coup. Both men acknowledge it in that interview. We'll play some of that in a second. Boy, Biden, Ukraine, $3 billion more for Ukraine, Harley. Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes going to prison. And Germany and France finally turning against the EU's Green New Deal. Thank God. Where would you like to start? Well, let's, let's start with Biden and Ukraine, because I, I think the $3 billion is it, it's noteworthy because, remember, it was the, proposed by Senator Rand Paul that there would be an inspector general uh, deployed to keep track of the money. This is just probably a very small part of the, the money that was not accounted for properly. 
Uh, Seymour Hearst said $400 million ended up in the pockets of some of Zelensky's key uh, henchmen. Uh, but even more important, the G7 meeting, which just occurred in Hiroshima, Japan, they decided and were open about a perpetual war, that they're going to keep this war going, even if there are no more Ukrainians left to fight it. And the Russian ambassador to the United States said, how are you going to land these F-16s when all the airfields in Ukraine have been destroyed? Well, what if they have to deploy from NATO bases in Europe? Would that mean that NATO is now in play? Well, you know, the, the obvious point here is that Biden or whoever occupies his brain cells, and at this point it does look as though Blinken and, and uh, Sullivan are the key people, uh, but who are they? They're, they're fronts for the Obama team, for people like John Brennan, uh, uh, Susan Rice. It's the Obama team working with the old British networks, British imperial networks, that are calling the shots. And they're saying we've got to keep the war going. Uh, I want to say something about the Germany and France thing in a second, just, just to complete this point. People in Japan were asking, how insane is it to be planning perpetual war at the site of the one place where the United States detonated a nuclear explosion in 1945, Hiroshima? There was a lot of opposition in Japan. They had to have huge numbers of police cordoning off the area. Uh, it just shows how tone deaf these guys are. They think they can go anywhere in the world, tell everyone the lies they tell, and then go ahead with their plans, even if those plans are certifiably insane. So I think when you talk about Biden and $3 billion here, uh, another $10 billion there. Biden's talking about another $46 billion package uh, when the new budget year starts. Uh, the, the, and then you compare that with the fact that they're cutting off veterans benefits, cutting off Medicaid benefits. You know, Biden claims he's helping the poor people. What he's doing is he's making more poor people and degrading the, the status of, of America's military veterans. So, you know, there's not much you can say about Biden, except that the sooner he's gone, the better. Well, let's talk about what's happening in Ukraine, too, because Bakhmut has been liberated by Russian forces and Biden and the administration would like to argue that that's all by design and Ukraine is still winning. It's all part of their strategy. It's complete nonsense. And I was listening to an interview with Colonel McGregor on with Judge Napolitano and McGregor yeah. was talking about these F-16s, how absurd this is, because who's going to fly them? He said it would take at least six months to qualify pilots to fly these things if they could find anyone qualified to learn how to fly them. And in many cases, it would take years and years. It takes years. Yeah. What a joke. These people think that no one knows they're lying. That's the funny part, right? And all they do is lie. Well, they're, they're arrogant and delusional. But I think what Colonel McGregor said about the F-16s is accurate. He also said that it's it's not the most modern jets, and it's not going to make that big a difference in the war. But the other point that he made on Bakhmut is really the important one. He said, why did Zelensky allow so many Ukrainian lives to be lost, knowing they couldn't hold it, knowing that the Russians set up a trap? What McGregor said is the Russians kept a, a passageway open so the Ukrainians would keep sending in more soldiers. What kind of idiotic strategy is it to have a president who's already unpopular killing off whole sections of the population of Ukraine 
for public relations with the West because he wanted to show that Ukraine is tough. They're not going to give up. They're going to keep fighting to the last Ukrainian. So what McGregor said is that this is a prima facie evidence of an absolute insanity in the Western thinking, but typical of what we're seeing. Now, what's about to happen is that Zelensky is launching, with, with U.S. backing, no question about it, launching operations inside Russia. And at a certain point, the Russians are going to say, enough is enough. They've done an enormous amount of damage to the Ukrainian military. But I think what we're going to see in the near future, if this continues and the weapons flow continues, we're going to see something aimed at NATO, even if it's just the NATO supply lines. Now, what happens then? It, it's clear, and I can tell you from Germany, support for this war is dropping quickly. And that's this, this whole question of the anti-green policy that's emerging in France and, and Germany, or I should say the anti-green sentiment. It's the Greens, the so-called pacifist Greens who want a better climate, are the most vociferous war hawks on the planet. And they're doing things that are enraging the population. You know, in Germany, the economics minister, who's one of the two top Greens in the cabinet, Habeck, has put forward a plan that said starting in 2025, there, every house has to be retrofitted to get rid of gas and oil heating. This is going to cost 10 to 15 to 20 billion euros, I mean, 10 to 15,000 euros per family per year to make that change. How can people afford that? This was his own coalition now is opposing it. Meanwhile, Baerbock, the foreign minister, continues to run around at Blinken's side talking about how tough Germany is going to be on Ukraine when the Chancellor Schultz is looking for a way out. Then you have Macron, who's positioning himself as a defender of relations with China because he knows that if the European Union goes ahead and breaks uh, ties with China, what's left of the European economy will crater. Then you have Zelensky, who's talking about blowing up the oil pipelines that go through Hungary because he's mad at Orban. And why is he mad at Orban? Because Orban's not a war hawk. Orban's not a puppet of NATO. So you have all these conflicts that are coming to the surface. Why? Because the whole war strategy is nuts. And, and the final point on this, Sean, is that the Russians just released their report on their economy at this Eurasian Economic Forum, which just took place. It's, it's taking place yesterday and today. And what they reported is that, and actually this is reported by the European Union, the lowest inflation rate in Europe is in Russia, 2.3%. And Russian trade with China is up 38% for the first two months of 2023. Chinese trade with the rest of Europe is collapsing. And this is causing shortages of key materials in, in uh, France and Germany and Italy. So the calculation that they were going to use sanctions to destroy Russia has backfired and blown up in their face. So, you know, when you talk about this Biden strategy, the British strategy and so on, it's, it's clear that, that their heads, that they have no conception of what they're doing, except they want to continue the war and use the war 
for the other aspects of war economy, namely surveillance, uh, jailing dissidents, and for austerity. That's the whole point of this war right now. Yeah, austerity is a great word, too, for the Green New Deal. I mean, that's what this is. They want us all to live like serfs. So thank God Germany and France are turning against the EU's Green New Deal, choosing common sense. A backlash is coming. It started in France and Germany. The sooner a green backlash starts in the U.S., the better. I just interviewed the CEO of MCF Energy Limited, James Hill. He's a natural gas guy, and they are exploring and bringing natural gas to Europe because the tide is turning. How did this happen? The last few times we've talked, I've been very concerned about you. You live in Germany, and I've been very concerned that y'all are going to freeze in the winter because of this Green New Deal and because of the insanity in the United Nations Agenda 2030. I'm glad to see common sense is coming back to the forefront. Well, here's the problem. The Greens shut down the uh, building of these depots that could take in natural gas. They're now trying to go with a, a rapid construction program program. Uh, they had a deal with Qatar, and now they couldn't get the natural gas from there. Uh, this next winter, if it's a cold winter, will be devastating in Europe. Now, I, I heard your interview. It was very, very interesting. And I think it's important that, that people realize that when, when you talk about the turning against the Greens in Europe, the, it's necessary because almost every person you meet in Germany, if you just talk to them casually, they'll talk about the importance of climate change and the Green New Deal. But then if you probe on a little further, poke them a little bit, you find that they agree that it's crazy. In the U.S., Sean, I don't know if you, I'm sure you know this, there's more opposition, especially you go to the red states. Yeah, They think the Greenies are insane. Let me tell you one of the things the Greens did in Berlin because they're saying that the biggest problem is traffic, is the combustion engine. So this group called the Last Generation got the, the most powerful glue, cement glue they could find, and started gluing their members to the streets to shut down traffic. And the police, in some cases, had to come with jackhammers and lift up the street to carry these these kids, and some of them are not such kids, they're in their 30s and 40s, to carry them off to jail. And there was one case where a woman was trying to rush her child to the hospital and the road was blocked by these two people who glued themselves to the pavement. And the woman went up and pleaded with them to move. And they said, sorry, we can't. And she said, but what am I going to do? Because the traffic was all backed up. And they said, the life of your child is less important than the life of the planet. And at that point, the crowd turned on them and the police had to come and protect these idiots who had glued themselves to the pavement. So I think it's only a matter of time before a certain amount of common sense comes back. But meanwhile, every single government in Europe is a minority coalition government. You know, Macron only got 26% of the vote in the first round. The green, red, black coalition in uh, Germany right now is only 40% in the polls for the three parties together. Uh, in Italy, Maloney's making a lot of big mistakes because she's going along with NATO and the European Union, and her coalition is losing support. But Salvini and the Lega Nord, the, the Northern League, is gaining in support. Uh, Orban in Hungary is the most popular politician in Europe, much to the great dismay of people like Ursula von der Leyen. So, you know, I think things are going to turn. I'm assuming they're going to turn in the United States soon. 
assuming we can get enough people to turn off the mainstream media and look for truth, because the, the mainstream media, as you know, is committed to diverting attention away from the issues, playing the presidential campaign in 2024 like a soap opera, using things like this conviction of, and, and sentencing of the Oath Keepers leader today to, to 18 years. You know, for what, walking through the, the Capitol building? So, you know, we're, we're seeing something that's so outrageous, it's going to have a blowback. It's now time for a word from our awesome sponsor, Wendy's Boutique Limited, wendyslimited.com. And uh, wendyslimited.com is offering the hottest new designer trends and brand name couture fashion styles. So you have to hear about Wendy's Boutique, wendyslimited.com, wendyslimited.com. Now has designer women's apparel and fine jewelry, sexy boutique fashions, very best prices online. And you know that at wendyslimited.com, uh, they know what a woman is, uh, what a woman really is, right? So if you're a beautiful woman or if you know a beautiful woman, and if you don't, stop listening to this show, okay? Right now, just stop. But if you happen to know a beautiful woman and you are a beautiful woman, you have to know about wendyslimited.com. So these are the, the sexiest boutique fashions anywhere, very best prices online, beautiful luxury products, guaranteed authentic guaranteed no chinese knockoffs ever so this is the real deal this is the real real the legit best prices hottest couture gear fragrances we had tom ford shades great deal on the tom ford shades everybody loves tom ford shades so you can expect to find gucci apparel hermes shoes prada jewelry all at wendyslimited.com and you got to remember wendyslimited.com is really now famous for canceling balenciaga when it mattered right so we're not having any of that over here. This is a woman-owned enterprise, an all-American, family-run organization, wendyslimited.com, wendyslimited.com. you got to come join the craze. Hottest new designer trends, guys. Wendy's Boutique Limited, we need your support. And uh, she's been courageous to support the show, wendyslimited.com. Well, I was just going to finish down here. McCarthy's um, article actually finished up by saying that the voters may prefer Trump's somewhat anti-democratic, somewhat anti-Republican appeal. Does that make sense to you? It does. I think he's a, he's a very bright guy, Daniel McCarthy. And I think what he's saying is that we still that all of the abuses that we watched under Biden, the destruction of the border you know, that homeland security, destruction of the border, the complete weaponization and politicalization and warping of the DOJ, the IRS, the CIA, the FBI, the so-called deep state, the whole court system, the whole Washington swamp, the bureaucracies, anonymous, the retired generals and their 
Rannings, the Pentagon, all of that has one thing in common. It's not necessarily Democratic or Republican. It's the permanent administrative state. And to slay that dragon, you need somebody completely divorced from it. Uh, it's mitigated somewhat because Ron DeSantis is what? He's a, a governor. He's way down there in Florida. And he was a congressman, but he wasn't a lifelong politician. So he can mitigate that somewhat. And then Donald Trump also has to come back and say, you know what? I'm smarter this time because the first time I didn't know what the F was going on because I didn't, I thought these people would rally to my cause, but the people who did rally to my cause that I appointed wanted to undermine my agendas. I didn't know that John Bolton was an interventionist abroad and I, I gave him the national security position. I didn't know the Secretary of Defense didn't agree with me on all of these issues. I didn't know how crazy Scaramucci was. I didn't know what a nut Omaroso was. I didn't know that the mad genius Steve Bannon was, you know, attacking me, that kind of stuff. And so yeah. that was people's reservation. So he's going to, I think that's the downside of having a complete outsider. But um, I wrote a column, oh, 2017 said, Trump should hang up his Twitter gloves, boxing gloves, and retire from the ring of social media. And I think, although social media is very valuable and that he's very effective on it, I don't think it helps him. I think he's got a secure base. I think there's the Republican Party of 46 percent, 47 percent of the nation. Uh, it, beyond the 25 percent base, the other 20 percent says, you know, these are the people I talk to. I don't like him. I don't like his tweets, but I will sure as hell vote for him if it's between him and a Clinton or a Biden or somebody like that. But that's 46, 47 percent. And so where do you pick up the extra three to five? You can peel off Latino voters maybe on some of these issues. L.A. Dodgers are sure helping on that issue. And you can might be able to peel off some African-Americans that don't really believe that Florida is a racist state or some crazy things or reparations or something like that. But ultimately, you need the suburban independent voter, four to five percent. And you're not going to get that voter unless things get down to annihilation level. I mean, they're not going to vote for Donald Trump unless they feel they're buried life. We're getting close, but when they feel that they're not safe driving into San Francisco or Chicago or New York, or they feel their kids are in danger at school, or they can't ride public transportation, or they'll vote for Donald. But they're not there yet. I don't know if we're going to get there. So he's, yeah. got to, he's got to appeal to that group, and he's not these, you know, these, and then we get into the lawsuits. And you, the impact you, they're going to have, it's yeah, going to be bra 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 Yeah, Bragg announced that he's going to, what, wait till March of 2000. 24 they're they're delaying them now they're thinking you know what we gave him a little we gave him enough empathy he's got that big lead that was the point but we don't want to shoot our wad before the election we want him to be nominated so let's push back these indictments slow down so that once we get to the new year we're going to let Bragg carry for 10 yards he's going to lateral to Latita James she's going to go 10 yards and then she's going to lateral to Willis Allen, Georgia. Then she's going to uh, lateral to Smith and the special prosecutor. We can do this all the way to the election. That's the plan.
and uh sounds like a rug sounds like a rugby game <laughs> or football rugby i don't know what it is but it, it's pretty it's pretty transparent it's a 2016 playbook it bit him in the rear end in 2016 because trump won the electoral college the other thing is but this thing about i think desantis is really going to stress this thing about viability and winning because if you look at it and I addressed this in the Dying Citizen. I had a chapter on it. The Republican Party at the national level has not won 51% of the vote since 1988. 88. It's 35 years. So George H.W. Bush got 51% against Mike Dukakis. When he ran again, Perot, mm -hmm. he did not. He got about 42%. He lost in 92 when Bob Dole ran against Bill Clinton, he lost. He didn't get 50%. When we got into 2000, George W. won the election, but he didn't get 51%. He got about, I think it was 49.5 or something. When he went up for re-election, he beat John Kerry, but 50.2, barely beat him, did not get 51%. They surely... John McCain didn't get it in 2008. Mitt Romney did not get it in 2012. Donald Trump did not get 51% in 2016. He did not get it in 2020. You, Reagan, you know, blew them away. So at all those 10 years that I just described were periods where the Republicans, especially in the Tea Party movement, made enormous strides. They took over 1,400 local and state offices during the Obama re-election period. Mm -hmm. So they were doing something right on the local and state and something very wrong at the national level. And that wrong was they were doing two things wrong. They were appealing to the Paul Ryan corporate Republican mindset, which there weren't enough of them, that are easily caricatured as greedy and rich bastards by the left. And then second, the anecdote to that was often hysterical and they didn't have, you know, great candidates at the, at the you know, the national midterms and, and the presidency. I don't think John McCain was a good candidate. I don't think Mitt Romney was a good candidate. And it didn't, and so that was a problem. So they're gonna, and then the other thing is, look, they've lost, uh, was it six out of the last, or is it seven out of the last? We can count them. They lost uh, the popular. I mean, they lost the popular vote. They lost the popular vote in 2020. They lo lost the popular vote in 2016. They lost the popular vote in 2012. They lost the popular vote in 2008. They lost the popular vote in 2000. They lost the popular vote in 1996. They lost the popular vote in 1992. So that's seven out of the last eight elections they lost the popular vote. The only person that won the popular vote in that entire period was George H.W. Bush. But the question is, can that and be he, changed? And, he, and he, he only did that in 2004. Well, yeah. you, have to, you have to get a good candidate, a Reagan-like candidate, and you have to run, run a wise campaign, and you have to have issues that have 51% of of the electorate. So look at the issues. Now, it's setting up good for the Republicans in that sense. The border, do they want people want secure, legal-only immigration? Yes, by about 70%. Do they think that Biden screwed up the economy and we have unnecessarily high gas, high inflation, high interest? Yes. 
Do they feel that we're too racially divisive and want to go back to content of our character? Rather, Yes. Do they feel that the whole Soros jurisprudence experiment was dangerous and crime is out of control? Yes. Do they feel that we unnecessarily drained the, the petroleum reserve, gave up energy autonomy, lost the Middle East, basically, and are paying way too much for oil? Yes. Do they feel that the Pentagon and our foreign policy are run amok, that we had the greatest humiliation in 50 years in Afghanistan, we don't know what the hell we're doing in Ukraine? Yes. I, and I mean that literally, because this president yeah. said, we're not going to give them, no, you cannot give them Abrams tanks. Just not going to do it. He did. Oh, we're not going to give them F-16. Are you crazy? Give them F-16? He did. He doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, you start conducting offensive operations as they're doing right now along the border, but you give them 100 F-16s, and if you're in a war and Russia keeps sending missiles and planes into your territory, and you, it'll be like Vietnam, you can't win the war unless you go into the other person's territory. The problem is this isn't Vietnam, because the other person's territory, North Vietnam, was non-nuclear. This is a nuclear country. So to win this war, they're going to have to take U.S. equipment or NATO equipment and stage raids or air missions in strike inside Russia. Russia, yeah. And that's stupid. That's nihilistic. So it has to have a negotiated settlement. But my point is that the issues are all on their side. They and yeah. the, can, the candidates are on their side because look what they're dealing with. They're dealing with Kamala Harris who's, I think her, I, I, I misspoke last time. I said her vocabulary was 500 words. It's shrunk to about 350. <laughs> or that, something like that. <laughs> and now she's emulating uh, Joe Biden. You know, everybody makes fun of Joe Biden's speech, you know, when he was, hey, Sammy, come over here. <laughs> I'd like to blow in your ear a little bit. <laughs> but now she's, did you see that interview with Brittany Griner, the basketball player? Oh, just, yeah, that oh, was Brittany, so bad. I just want to say that you look like me. It was just, it was, it was emulating yeah. the worst traits of Joe Biden. I, it, she is completely off her, the, her rocker. And then you've got yes. Joe Biden. And as I keep saying, he's failing at a geometric rate. I don't, I don't see how he's going to continue. I mean, I've had long COVID for a year on my worst day of long COVID. I see, and I'm 69. I seem like Superman compared to him. And I have yeah, some empa up. empathy. Oh, go for ahead. Him. I don't know how he does it. He, I know he sleeps. He probably takes Adderall, whatever. But it's pathetic that the Japanese prime minister, the Mexican president, anywhere he goes, they have to shepherd him around. And yeah. To back up what you're saying, Victor, I, I had this for later in the show, but since we're right here on top of it, we might as well look at There was a Harvard-Harris poll that came out about mid-May, and they say almost exactly what you did. They they asked the voters that they um, that were their subjects um, the most important issues to them, and in order of most important, it was inflation, immigration, economy by way of jobs guns and national debt. And the only one that the Democrats have there is, is guns. But guns might mean that there are people who want to be sure they can be armed, right? NRA things. And then for they, the other thing, though, that I was going to 
point out to you is that most of the voters say race should not be a factor in justice, college admissions, and medical school by way far above each one of those questions. It was 60% more to 70%. I, I'm very worried voting. about, I'm very worried. I have a lot of friends in the black community. I have no, there's no, I don't, I can say I don't have an ounce of prejudice in myself, but I'm very worried for racial relations because what is happening now is on the elite end, the elite end, the beneficiaries of set-asides or whatever, there is anger that's unjustified. So when you hear Oprah give a, I look, listen to Oprah's graduation speech she just gave, and I collated it with what she gave in 2018 at another one. The other one was for ecumenicalism and tolerance and unity and integration and assimilation. This one wasn't. This, you would have thought that Oprah was a homeless person that had been deprived of her civil rights, this billionaire person. And when you when you look at that view and you see all of those people that are very wealthy, and Joy Behar, some African, Whoopi Goldberg, and all they talk about is white supremacy, or you see Mark uh, Milley or Lloyd, all, all of this. So you have the elite of white and black talking about how angry and unfair the United States is to black people. And then on the other end of the inner city, you have record mayhem and death. You, there's a whole cottage industry. Just turn on your internet and a little ad comes up about what? Smash and grab in Chicago, a swarming of a park, a disruption of an armed forces day, a Compton takeover of this, uh, twerking on a police car, the subway killing. And and it's, you know, I don't think people understand. They thought this was going to be the next George Floyd. The activists did cause. But, you know, when the average person looks at this and said, my God, the man was arrested 42 times. Well, he, we, we, we poorly served him. The, the, no, you didn't. You gave him... 10, 20 types of rehabilitation. You gave him a free pass out of prison. You unleashed him on the public. He broke a person's nose. He almost blinded another person. He threatened it. He he was charged with lewd conduct. And he had every chance in the world. So don't tell me that. He did, He chose to do that. Oh, well, his mother was violently killed. Yeah, that happens a lot. A lot of people lose children. A lot of people lose parents. But they don't do that. And then his uncle weighs in and says, well, this is terrible. And then you look at, well, the uncle, he's been arrested 70 times. 70. He has three outstanding warrants. They just caught him with somebody with an illegal knife and credit card. So it's it's just, you know, and you have a guy. It's, in, in New, it's a guy in New Orleans. He's going out and working on a mailbox and two black guys go up and, and execute him. Say so we wanted to kill a white person. You got a doctor riding on a bicycle down in Newport and Orange County, they executed him and said, I hated white people. So what I'm getting at is there's a rise in interracial, that's still rare, and hate crimes. And it's African-Americans are disproportionately represented, but on the elite, they're saying that it's unfair. We don't, but they're very well off. So, and I guess, you know, you come to the point of absurdity when the, in the NAACP has a boycott of Florida and says it's a travel advisory when there's 3.3 million blacks who are doing wonderfully in Florida. It's got the second highest number of black 
businesses. And the chairman of the board of the NAACP lives in Florida. So what is he, he issues of helps to issue a travel advisory? And what's he saying? <laughs> hey, if you come to my house, I got to advise you that when you fly in to see my nice Florida place, be careful. And then you got reparations, 800 billion dollars. It's not like the Japanese internment. The Japanese internment under Reagan, they said $20,000 only, only, only for people who were actually at a place like Manzanar, right? And that was because of actual This is not eight generations ago. The Japanese American community didn't say eight generations ago, my great, 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 great grandparents were injured by your great, 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 great grandparents. And I want three million bucks and a free house. They didn't do that. And so it's so beyond the shark, pushed the envelope, $800 billion when California was never a slave state. It's got $32 billion in, a, in an annual debt. And then when it pressed upon that, the head of the reparations, quote unquote, committee, well, we're willing to take, we're willing to be paid on the installment plan. Okay, <laughs> that's nice of you. So you want 27% of the state who wasn't born in the United States to pay you when your crime rate, and I say you and your, because you're talking in collectives. See, the problem with this whole racial thing is when you start talking in collectives and you say blacks, whites, then you assume responsibility for the entire particular group because you have self-identified as a member of the group. So when you say we we need reparations because we are black, then you're taking responsibility. Then people saying, well, there were $21 trillion in, I don't know, redistributive uh, great entitlement, great society programs since Lyndon Johnson. A lot of them went inordinately to your group or your group is committing hate crimes at double your percentages in the general population or the group that you say is so supremacist is dying at twice their numbers in Iraq in combat. Is that fair? Or your group that you say is underrepresented is represents seven times or six and a half times their numbers in the general population and professional sports with, you know, multi-million dollar salary. So you don't want to go down there, but yet that's where we're going. And so that's not sustainable. And people are going to get very angry. And I don't mean white people. I'm talking about Hispanic people, white people, Asian people, and some black people. And and you want to say to a Whoopi Goldberg, can't you just go on TV and not say the word white? You're so obsessed with it. Why do you say white? You just, is it fixating your mind? Have you been cheated? So in order to just kind of further the discussion here a little bit, it's Victor Davis Hanson, one of our great intellectuals and academics here in America, and he is really doing a good job of pointing out the problems, the difficult things that our media will not discuss and our politicians are too terrified to broach and our lazy school system and the big hole in our children's academia is leading us to a place where we won't have the uh, the uh, cerebral capacity. We won't have the, the actual skills anymore to address some of these issues. So we have to go back and, and take a look at what's really going on here. And we're really being pigeonholed into the, the nomenclature. So you got to understand there's so many different languages in the world. People are speaking Swahili. 
they're speaking, you know, Afrikaans. You know, people are speaking uh, uh, different, all different kind of languages. And e even if you go to China, there's several different dialects. There's Mandarin and so on and so on. And so here we're kind of pigeonholed with this American thinking, this American. It's not really English language anymore. It's now a kind of American amalgamation of our uh, language system here to becoming something that is, is really updated and upgraded to a new kind of uh, verbal hieroglyphs so that this is a different kind of uh, language uh, construct that's ever really been arranged in the world before. And, and so we, we've taken so many different words, French words, Portuguese, Chinese concepts, all, all different kind of etymology has been incorporated into our current, our kind of common vernacular that shapes the discourse and the thinking that goes into our common uh, interchange here. The wording of our expressions in our terminology and our vocabulary will shape our thinking. So, you know, we're, these are vo vocalizations. These are just the diction, and the shape of our thoughts. And as we're going forward, we have to recognize that these these ideas of black and white as terms of opposition and oppositional dynamics are, are really being superimposed into our thinking. Okay, so that the the power structure coming down to us over time, the the influence of the occult fraternities, the banking elite, the power structure into our lives is not utterly ubiquitous in every way, but it, it really just comes into play in small ways, in small instrumental ways of shaping the way we think. So that this idea of black and white terminology, the idea of having us as people in America, especially, and not really throughout the rest of the world, because the rest of the world is hom homogenized more generally, so that people are really looking at facsimiles of themselves. So if you go into South uh, Korea and you look around, most of the people there are going to be South Korean. They're very similar people. They're, they're really cousins and they're homogenized based on the fact that they've been living in that region for a very long time and they've all, you know, come to look very similar. Same thing if you go to African cities or African uh, countries, uh, many of the people there are going to be generally from that area and they're generally going to look the same. Because those are countries based on their ethnic roots and their uh, long histories. America doesn't have a, a terribly long uh, history and doesn't have any really ethnic roots. The, the basis of our entire philosophy here in America is that we have a political credo and a certain moral belief system and a constitutional framework that dictates the structure of our nation. And, and, and our nation isn't... isn't uh, rising out of a long ancestry of, of or racial history or ethnic tribal legacy or heritage coming from the past, right? Because America hasn't really been around for very long. But if you go to China, it's completely the opposite. They're, China is homogenized. Everyone there is Chinese and they all speak Chinese and they're all from very long and ancient Chinese families. And they are not, their government isn't, and their way of life isn't based on a particular constitutional moral outlook or a, uh, I guess, a biblical worldview that, that structures the, the separation of powers in their government. In fact, that the government in China is totally concentrated all of its power into the fewest hands. And here in America, we're doing our best to make sure that the power is not concentrated in the fewest possible hands. Of course, the process of corrupting America and bringing America down will require that there's no checks and balances and there's no accountability and that people are, are paid off and corrupted and blackmailed and, you know, go off to Jeffrey Epstein islands, you know, you know, and be photographed doing horrible things so they can be controlled. These are the kind of, of dynamics that are in place now that are corrupting, controlling and suppressing Washington, D.C. from really doing what it should do and, and being the government that it should be. 
and following the honor and the integrity that it was designed to by which it was designed to operate. So it was designed to be a republic with representatives who who choose uh, the direction of the government and the policies by the will of the people. But now you see that the will of the people is being controlled and suppressed by various uh, voting machines who have, like we said, the dominion over our entire democracy now. And uh, everyone's too scared to, to point it out and say that, look, these machines are, are ruining the actual outcome and the, the choice of the people, the actual a numerical outcome uh, is being manipulated through the complexity of these machines, so it's pretty obvious. And then just old, old school ballot stuffing, old school uh, voter rolls that are just filled with dead people. So the Democrats love to cheat. They can't get their way uh, in the marketplace of ideas through winning people over because they have great you know policies and plans for the future. No, they have they have horrible. Uh, destructive plans for the future of America, and they have to force them into place by cheating and manipulating and rigging elections. And so that's how we get into this place. And that's why everyone's talking about the upcoming election. We haven't even dealt with the fact that these elections are completely uh, fraudulent and, and they're being cracked and hacked and they're being um, manipulated in, in all these different ways. And so unless we're willing to, as a people, allow the out- outcome to be bar- borne out and let the people choose, if you're find, trying to find a way constantly to interfere with the democracy and disrupt the elections and try to get your corporate hyper-political viewpoints uh, – and policies in place by manipulating the outcome of elections, then obviously the American people should put you up against the wall and have you shot. And that's, of course, that's Mark Zuckerberg and even his wife and everyone who was involved with taking all that money and, and trying to skew the elections. You, you should all just just be shot. I'm sure you would try to shoot all of us in order to ruin uh, the, our democracy and take uh, America's heritage for yourself and the, the entire inheritance of America and America proper, you would just steal it away because you're a bunch of pigs and thieves and we ought to you know, do away with you. So that's really what Victor Davis Hanson has to break down here is that this idea of racialism, it's completely misused in a Marxian way. And it's designed now in America where uh, racial uh, dynamics aren't really part of the, the name of the game here. It's really about who you vote for and, and the, the representatives that you pick. And the fact that America put an end to slavery and actually put an end to uh, women who couldn't vote, you know, women's rights, uh, you know, black people in America who couldn't vote, who were who were disenfranchised, all enfranchised in America. So you can't use this racial, uh, you know, this racial extremism and it's going to ultimately be used to to provoke uh, a certain contingent within the black community of unrest and rioting. And you can see the, the Yahweh bin Yahweh kind of psychos out there. The different weird radical black people are the real Israelites. Just all the racialism that's being fomented on the, on the part of people who are people of color in America. It's, it's creating a certain insanity within this kind of localized American bubble. Uh, you know, black people, if, if you want to call, you know, people who have a, a sub-Saharan African roots, right? In their in their in, uh, in their in their heritage, are finding it harder and harder to kind of maintain their their sanity. So you have people in in back in Africa, you know, who run their countries there, and they don't want any more American politics. They don't want any more transgender uh, perversion in their country, right? They don't want any more uh, American toxic political uh, uh, putrefying child molestation. You know, th- these are programs of bringing perverted 
transgender individuals into the presence of children and, and corrupting the children. So these African countries don't want that. But of course, here in America, the African Americans who live in America are not, you know, resisting this at all. Not that we can see. And so that it's kind of becoming part of Hollywood, becoming part of BET. It's becoming part, you know, the transgender perverse uh, culture. It's just kind of by and large being accepted into the, to the rap industry, the hip hop industry. And so the the so-called quote-unquote black people in America are not like their their uh, family members and their their uh, ethnic brothers and sisters uh, that that share the same heritage from Africa anymore. And the same thing goes with the report that we just read recently that the, there's a woman who has a property in Jamaica. She's a Jamaican woman, and uh, she she will not allow any more. Uh, black American people to rent her property as far as Airbnb. So she'll allow other Americans uh, of, of Caucasian descent or people who have maybe Hispanic extraction. And she will even allow black people from other countries to use her Airbnb property in Jamaica. But she will no longer allow any black people from America to rent her property, which she has the exclusive right to do. And the only reason she will not allow any black people from America to use her property is because they ruin her property. They constantly cause fights and violence. And just that's her long list, right? And she's not being racist against black people, quote unquote. Of course, all the, the selfish, spoiled, rotten, pig black people in America, American black people would say, oh, she's being racist against us. But of course, she's not. She's just pointing out that as a point of business policy, she can no longer do business with black people from America because they ruin her business. They ruin her home. They cause problems. So all these other people, maybe from Europe or maybe from uh, Madagascar or anywhere else in the world, they don't ruin her property. So that's kind of the, the problem you have with the corrupting influence of the Marxist ideals that are really corrupting and, and, and degenerating the people here in America. They're degenerating all the people in America. It doesn't matter who you are or what your skin color is or where you're from. If you're in America and you're engaging in these leftist Marxist politics, it's degenerating you and turning you into a scumbag that nobody wants to deal with anymore. So if you have some guy who's from Liberia, he can go rent the property in Jamaica. But you, if you're from Detroit or Chicago, you can't because the lady already has you fingered that you're a crackhead and that you're maybe you're a murderer or maybe, or maybe you like are a part of this hip hop culture where it's murder culture, criminal culture, and you uplift that. And that, that's your, that's what you constantly have in your earbuds. That's what you pump into your brain is just, you know, finding a way to commit violence or to fi finding a justification, a reason why to do the thing you want to do anyway, which is just be a degenerate. And so you can no longer be protected by, Oh, I have melanin in my skin. I have a dark skin complexion. I'm a quote unquote black and this therefore justifies why I can just be a complete rotten person. I can be a horrible neighbor. I can be a criminal. I can just continue to, to break America down with my, uh, my horrible, horrible behaviors. And I can get away with this all because I have some kind of justification in the, in the melanin content in my, in my skin tone, right? Of course, if you go everywhere else in the world, if you look around the, the entire nation, if you go to South America and you look at some of the, the different pygmy tribes that are there, they don't have this excuse. They can't make this excuse that somehow they've been victimized or they've been made somehow harmed or demeaned in some way because of their melanin content in their skin. And, you know, so it's, it's really just this, the process of the lack of homogenous likeness in, in the society. So that when you look around you, you can see the history of America here around you. You can see that, wow, there's people from, from Germany. There's people from 
Russia here in America. There's people from Switzerland. There's people from Sub-Saharan Africa. There's people from South America. All over the place are all here in America. And when you look around you and you see people that are different than you, you can suddenly be seized with this contemptible ideology that's coming from the left and say, oh, my skin tone looks different than yours or, you know, so on and so forth. And in, in all this madness, you would tear down the, the Civil War monuments that represented the great acquisition of freedom of all races in America. So when we actually accomplished the task of defeating racism and slavery in America and bringing about this new, uh, more perfect union where people of all these different uh, nationalities and ancestries who had been enslaved can now be free and own property and become part of the American dream, when that actually happened – and we memorialized it with these Civil War monuments. Now the left is tearing those down. So that, of course, reinforces this concept that somehow people who have different skin colors are going to be repressed in America. And th th so they're just going to run wild with this neo-racism, this hyper-inflated hysteria of the pseudo-racism that they're going to you know, recatalog, re re revise the history of and try to capitalize now. And of course – they're going to use this to push us into a race war. You know, in Europe, obviously, everyone was a homogenous and looked very much alike. And the only real way that Marx could seize upon the differences in the culture and the society to um, to cause problems between people was to use people's financial the difference in people's financial uh, situations, so that he seized on the the plight of the many many poor people to use their physical you know power to overcome the very few. Of, of rich people, right? And so that was, that was the plan. Just overthrow the rich people with these millions and millions of hordes of millions, uh, you know, of, of poor people who will clamor over the cities like, like cockroaches and just destroy everything. And therefore, the possibility for people to be rich and for the bourgeois capitalists to, to take advantage of the poor people will be over, right? That was the, that was the idea. So now, of course, here in America, um, this isn't really working well because everyone in America is very wealthy. Even the poor people can call up and get food stamps and get, you know, food. No one is suffering. Everyone is, is having, you know, people are pouring into the country to take advantage of the financial conditions here, to take the jobs from all over the world. People are fl flooding in and they're voting with their feet and showing how desperately they want to come to America. So you can't use this kind of inequality of, of poor people. So the thing that they're seizing on to ruin our country is the difference in the way people look. So you can look at people and then you can brainwash into people all these prejudices about who they are. So before when we say we won't prejudice, we won't judge the book by the color, we'll get to know the person and find out who they really are. And then we'll determine, uh, make some determinations about what we think about their character. Now th in this case, they're switching it around and saying you can look at them and tell all about them and make judgments about them just based on looking at them. And with this kind of like petty and deformed and juvenile, infantile ideology, they're getting us to ultimately be drawn into this deforming and reprobate condition that we find ourselves in. It's a degeneracy. Look, look within the cities. Look at the meth and crack heroin epidemics. And now they're just going to kill the people off with the fentanyl. And you can see that really this is the end of the line for people who uh, who had the inability to survive. So you do, if you didn't have the, the, the strength in your character and your bones or in, in your work ethic to survive and you didn't have the, the spiritual maturity within you to, to sacrifice of your own uh, self and your own you know, things and wealth to, to help those around you, if you didn't have the wherewithal to, 
to you know build a family and to be faithful to a wife and and you just had a bunch of babies, mamas, you know, you're not going to survive the next leg of the journey that we're going to go through in America. Because, you know, you didn't have the ability to secure your water source. You didn't have the ability to, to, to get the food things you needed, right? Those are things that you depend on. You're in a dependent state on your government, and your government ultimately is going to uh, be the precursor to this democide. And the democide is the total destruction of the people, wherever they can find them, you know, and, and whatever mechanism, whatever policy they can use to destroy you, whether it's through cryptocurrencies and your dependency on that or food stamps and your dependency on that or just your total reliance on uh, the state to get some kind of unemployment welfare benefit. or just, all, all, the, all the people in this country who are the useless eaters, who are the dead weight, who are just not going to survive. And when the riots start to happen, of course, we the, the conspiracy theorists already had the information about this a long time ago. When the riots start, they called this the King Alfred Plan. And the King Alfred Plan was a plan devised long ago to create this wild and relentless inner city rioting and extreme violence and criminalization that would be ongoing, waves of crime in the inner cities that would be perpetrated by the out-of-control and degenerated black community who no longer had family structures, who no longer had church, who no longer read, read their Bible like their grandmothers, who no longer had any kind of uh, human affection. They're just all crack dealers, all murderers and sh you know, shooting. It's like what you're seeing in Chicago, you know, 40 murders a weekend, whatever. No hope of, of ever coming back. Well past the point of no return, over the cliff, right? So when you get this really going in more, more cities around the world, uh, more cities around America, when you really get this wild, out-of-control violence going that you have to cause martial law and cause the federal government to come in, then this will be the next stage of the roundups that we've been discussing for a while. So the King Alfred plan has been slowly being stoked, the flames and the embers of that, of this wildfire that's going to get out of control. They're, they call it the coming race war, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's the part where the guys just come up and murder some white people who are trying to fix, the, fix his, uh, his mailbox, right? So people who are, who are not who are sub subject to that violence will be unfortunately caught in the crosshairs of all that, and there's a whole lot of really innocent, uh, good African American uh, people who serve their country, who who go to church, who love their neighbors, and they're going to get caught in this too. So it's about causing a social cataclysm. It's about causing a societal conflagration that's so out of control that it it, it cannot you can't really have civil society anymore, especially in the inner cities. So. This fentanyl crack crisis, the the gangs, you know, it was all being kind of ginned up by the Bloods and the Crips, you know, the red versus the blues, and, and you know, selling crack to each other. And if you sell crack to my people, and I don't get the money, I'll shoot you. And just just getting all that deeply ingrained mental, you know, deviation. This this kind of psychological trauma uh, and existential dissipation. So the, 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 the culture of these people is so lost and reprobate that it's, it's become an unhuman, right? It's not about you know, race or your ethnic background. It's about putting people who are in poverty and putting them in extreme isolation and pushing these drugs on them and then getting them into a place of, of generational family despondency and degeneracy so that there's a lot of incest, a lot of rape, a lot of murder going on inside the families, and it just spreads out into the society and the cities all around. So these people are not well. They're not educated. They don't want to learn to read and write like 
like whiteies or you know whatever it is and it goes back to this form of of white versus black and black power and white supremacy and black victimization and, and even these concepts of black and white are co completely erroneous they're superimposed and they're magical terms they're designed to control our minds so once you stop being a black or a white once you be an american who his people was from ireland but i'm not from ireland i'm just from america and you're an american and your people was from Tanzania, but you're not Tanzanian, you're an American. So you don't even remember, you know, so we're just all Americans. We're not, we're not under these racial uh, revolutionary concepts, these racial uh, black and white color tones. Once we take that off of us and we're freed from it, then we can see each other as human again. Today, in my opinion, America faces the most complex range of threats in our history from both within and without. America is a nation that is without question in political and societal turmoil, our national security at risk from a failing education system, corrupt government, open borders, the entry of millions of illegal immigrants, and deadly drugs produced by the Mexican drug cartels in league with communist China. Those drugs kill more Americans than in any war this century. And then there are the external threats. The Russians are warning the world they may use tactical nuclear weapons against the Ukrainians and implicitly against their allies. The Iranians are seizing ships in the Persian Gulf and advancing rapidly to their goal of having nuclear weapons. The Chinese will, in a matter of years, have more nuclear warheads than the United States. And the race for the fastest and most lethal hypersonic missiles is underway, and the United States, by most estimates, lags behind both Russia and China. We face a national security threat. It is immense and it is immediate. The U.S. military hasn't met its recruiting goals in years. The woke military is losing experienced combat service members, officers, non-commissioned officers, and enlisted. Our military faces shortages of weapons, ammunition, and munitions. And obviously, weak leadership, civilian, and military pose a threat all their own. Our guest today is expert in not only defense and national security, but also technology and the military industrial complex. Our guest is Yale professor Paul Bracken, who spent much of his academic career thinking about the unthinkable, and he is the author of the book, The Second Nuclear Age. Paul, great to have you with us here on The Great America Show, and thank you for being with us. And now, more than 15 months after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Paul, the Biden White House is fighting a proxy war against Russia. It's uninterested in a peace deal. China is bolstering Russia's surprisingly weak military. And out of nowhere, it seems a group of African nations is interested in brokering a truce between Russia and Ukraine. How in the world did we get here, Paul? Well, a couple things going on here. First of all, you want you sent South Africans selling anything they can to Russia now. So this idea that we have a global democracy bloc that's all cooperating in this war isn't exactly the case. But I think the deeper issue here is like we saw with the Chinese trying to start a negotiation, which is it bypasses the United States. We're seeing something which has been long predicted, which is a multiple polar world, many decision-making centers, no longer run by two big powers, no longer run by the United States, as it was for a long time. And I don't think we're prepared for this at all, particularly in the State Department. 
uh, but also in the Pentagon, because it raises whole new issues about alliances and how solid they really are. The, you see this in Asia, where I do a lot of work. There's a tremendous skepticism that the United States would come in to defend Taiwan or South Korea or the Australians. That's one of the reasons we did this submarine deal with the Brits. Remember, we're selling the Australians a nuclear-powered submarine. Right. And they're really demanding uh, the Asian countries, the ones I just mentioned, are really what they want is a strengthening of the U.S. nuclear guarantee to them. Because they look at the something which does not get the attention that it really needs is this massive Chinese nuclear breakout, where the Chinese in 10 years are going to be at American force levels. And they're asking themselves in Seoul and, uh, you know, in Canberra, what are the United States, will the United States really use nuclear weapons to defend us against China or against North Korea when China has the ability to destroy the United States? And so they're scrambling in Washington, more the Pentagon than any place else, and actually more in Congress, to come up with sort of interim answers to this in the form of theater nuclear weapons. But it's really a big problem, and it ultimately shows the increasing doubts that the United States has either the political will or the military power to defend all of this big world we're in all at the same time. And I think they're also irritated at our rhetoric, uh, which promises all these things, but when it comes to actual behavior and taking actions, they just don't see it. The uncertainty, the tensions are, are palpable uh, because China is asserting itself, obviously, uh, and in direct conflict with India, uh, which I, a lot of people are not thinking about. But here are the two largest countries in the world that are are straining at one another and creating another, uh, if you will, uh, uh, problem for a world that hardly needs another. Right. One of the things that has happened is that the U.S. has tried to make strategic deals with India, um, particularly on the intelligence and reconnaissance fronts. So this is not getting a lot of attention. Um, but look, India has a nuclear force and they're modernizing it. If we ask ourselves, why has the Ukrainian military been so effective? The answer is because they're killing so many Russians with highly targeted missile attacks. And where do they get that information? It has to be from the United States. Mm -hmm. So the potential for the United States to transfer information, targeting information to India, to make life very difficult for the Chinese and to create a separate front so that China can't put all of their energy against Taiwan but they have to worry about what's happening, you know, over the Himalayan mountains. Let me point out something here that most people have forgotten. And it's that when Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger went to Beijing in 1972, mm -hmm. Henry had in his briefcase the beyond top secret documents that he collected from the Pentagon about the location of every Soviet nuclear weapon east of the Ural Mountains, 
with their longitudes, their latitudes. He had maps, detailed descriptions. He got this information to give it as a gift to the Chinese in a meeting held in the Great Wall at the Great Hall of the People. And this bolstered Chinese military capability tremendously overnight because they had no idea where the Russian nuclear weapons were. U.S.-Indian cooperation, I think, is moving in that direction. Uh, People don't want it to move too fast, but it's moving in that direction. And you're going to see in the next few years three nuclear superpowers with possibly India joining this club. India is the only country in the world that has ICBMs. Merved warheads, these are warheads you can put 10 warheads on a single missile, and they can really change the nuclear balance with respect to China. So it's a, it's a very different world we're going into. We're used to one of two nuclear superpowers. We have three today, and I'm arguing you may see a fourth in the form of India. And just imagine a Cuban Missile Crisis with three or four countries in it. Uh, I mean, this has huge implications because there's another technological trend I don't think people pay enough attention to. And that's that you can destroy an enemy's nuclear forces with conventional warheads now because they're so accurate. Uh, And this makes life very potentially dangerous for any country with a small nuclear force. I don't know how we're going to handle this, but this is, goes into this soup of technological, political complexity that we're going to be working out for many years to come. You've been a visiting scholar at uh, the CIA, uh, Beijing University. Give us a sense of your judgment of the of the two bureaucracies, uh, to, if you if you would, just your own personal sense about their effectiveness, their commitment, to their capacity. Well, the Chinese are highly focused in a way that the Pentagon is not on on Taiwan. Essentially, um, this makes life a lot easier for them. Number one. Number two. The other thing we have to understand is that China was able to skip a generation of innovation that the U.S. did not skip. If we're still pouring billions of dollars into maintaining armies, ships, airplanes, stuff like that. China's cutting the size of their mass infantry army, and they skipped a generation of tanks, radars, aircraft, jet fighters, stealth, to pour it into cyber warfare, to pour it into hypersonic missiles, to pour it into AI. Um, But to get to the heart of your question, I don't think the Chinese have thought through how they're going to use this in a real crisis or a real war. We learned in the Cold War that what we thought was going to happen didn't happen. That is to say the problem wasn't surprise attack by the nuclear Soviet Union. The problem was how to fight a limited war in Korea, then Vietnam, and what role nuclear weapons played in that, okay? So I don't think China has really thought about that very much. 
and I wish they would because it's very dangerous. China has now the ability to go on nuclear alert, DEFCON 2, the way the U.S. did in the Cuban crisis. Um, And this means flying around dozens or even hundreds of hydrogen bombs on airplanes, putting them on these reefs, which they fully intend to do, these artificial islands they've been building. Right. So they're climbing a learning curve to get to the United States side. The way I see it, there's, we've climbed this learning curve 40 years ago, but we're now going down a learning curve because we've forgotten about the existence of nuclear weapons, that China will use this these to threaten us, to get us to pull the 7th Fleet back to Hawaii because we can't risk it, because it's vulnerable to nuclear attack. And I don't see the Pentagon really taking this seriously. They play war games with respect to defending Taiwan, um, but there's no nuclear play in it at all. So what a terrible time for things to just completely spin out of control with the fraudulent election of this this swamp monster Joe Biden what, what in the, the swamp family right the uh, the Biden family what a disgusting criminal uh, perverted crackhead enterprise what, what a postured children uh, for this current age of uh, decadence and depravity a wicked and adulterous generation and we find the the Biden crime family, the the espionage sellouts and traitors to the CCP, or whoever whoever has some cash, right? Which is and cash. What is it? Federal Reserve debt. It's really just America's debt, right? So, so in order to to be holders of massive amounts of America's debt, uh, the Biden crime family, in order to you know to get their little uh, avarice, uh, little, their, their tiny nuts, uh, you know, swaddled, and to to. Uh, Assuage their their, de- their desperate desperate greed for uh, for some kind of moment of life with the, with the stacks of money of uh, the Amer- the American people's taxpayer money illegally gotten bribery and fraud and graft uh, you know just the, the story of the typical American politician so you can see uh, Diane Feinstein's uh, Chinese Communist Party uh, spy driver you know taking uh, taking as many opportunities as he can to, to take advantage of the Biden crime family over the years. So all this will come out in time. Just the corruption of the Senate uh, alone with Feinstein. Is it Chuck Schumer? Is he in the Senate? Oh, God, making me ill. And then obviously Feinstein, that, that's so odd. The, the entire U.S. Senate is a joke. And they're up there, uh, you know, glad-handing, patting each other in the back as if they have some kind of um, something to offer the American people other than just the institutional selling out and betrayal of America. You know, the institutional recklessness by which they play this patty cake, uniparty, Washington, D.C. politics just to, to line their own pockets. They're all Bidens. They're all a bunch of Bidens up there. Zelensky, all, all of them. Just just taking huge tranches of the the wealth that's generated from Federal Reserve notes, which are really just uh, the the debt of Americans, the debt of you and me, of our, our hard-earned, the, the labor and the sweat of our brow, the blood of our of our work and our efforts every day to try to you know, take care of our family, that grafting off the and siphoning off the America's America's 
ballooning debt obligations just to pass this stuff around, you know, and of course they're, they're going to siphon all the money over to Ukraine, Ukraine to pass it back to manipulate democratic, perverted liberal uh, politics in Washington, D.C. I mean, where are they getting the economic and financial resources here to, to create all this firepower to uh, to turn the whole entire American society over on its back on its head based on the, the needs of a few transgender uh, transvestite psychos that are running around cross-dressers, right? A bunch of cross-dressers running around putting on ladies' lipstick and panties and now we're supposed to allow the entire pornographic culture, which is really underpinning this entire thing. What's really underpinning the out-of-control, berserk, hypersexual perversion and, uh, and molestation of your kids is the fact that they're exposing them to something that they can go home and find later on their phones, right? And there's no, there's no blocking it. Every, every 10-year-old who can get an iPhone can, can go follow up on this whole idea, this newly uh, sensation of early sexualization, early childhood sexualization, and you get alone with the phone, and then it just it starts the entire downward spiral of pornographic imagery and debased, perver- perverted, uh, withering the soul of the human individual. Uh, and, and corrupting the potential for them ever to have an actual healthy sex life with uh, the counter, uh, you know, with their counterpart um, in, in life, right? And then you you compile that all with some kind of surgery that's there just to deaden and turn into scar tissue all the most sensitive uh, regions of your body that create uh, you know sexual sensations and orgasms. And these are the uh, this is the substance of marriage and dating and familial lifestyles. The, the entire society and culture of human civil western civilization is based on the idea that we carefully curate the the libidos and sexual energies of our youth into uh, productive family units and when that no longer is possible when the, the breakdown and the debased perversion and the dehumanization, the demoralization process is complete, then you will have no more reproduction and if you accidentally get a sperm near uh, an egg and have, you know, uh, an embryo, then we'll abort that. And then, you know, we'll just go, Elon Musk, isn't he making some uh, cyber vaginas that we can just basically incubate babies in it? So we don't need women anymore. We just incubate babies in the uh, cyber womb. And then you'll have a brain implant. And then everything is fine, guys. Everything's fine. So don't worry about the escalating nuclear tensions in uh, in the South China Sea and uh, and and how all these examples of our weak feckless, depraved, and sickening, and the, our dying money, and then our dying military, and our dying president, and our dying nation, the sickening and depraved uh, process of us here trying to find a way to survive these maniacs, and to somehow like get to the next election, hopefully it won't be rigged, right, hopefully, cross our fingers, but I mean, this is, this existential battle for the future of America should not include how Ukraine is going to uh, work with its uh, neighbor in the region, Russia. It's a long-time neighbor, right? I mean, Ukraine's been around for, like, like what, 90 years, 100 years? And uh, they've known that Russia is their neighbor for a long time. And then Washington, D.C. is not their neighbor, right? And, and, and to, to the extent that uh, Ukraine wants to have uh, Washington, D.C.'s money and their values and their military weapons, they should uh, embrace the consequences of what that would mean if, uh, if, if, they're not, you know, if they're not allies with Russia and they're putting dangerous weapons and, and bio lab, Fauci biolabs right in the region, right near Russia. And, and, you know, and, and when this whole conflagration just spills over and explodes, you got to recognize that they've been building this stuff up with Ukraine since we were in Afghanistan. Afghanistan didn't go so well. 
I mean, how do we slide over from Iraq to Afghanistan? It's really weird how the, the, the people in the military can just justify tapping their heels, saluting, yes, sir, whatever, they, uh, whatever they're told to do. It, it doesn't matter what it is or how you know, insane or how mindless or how just in, in, in opposition to America's actual interests any of these military maneuvers are. They, they don't seem to care. They just seem to kind of like mindlessly go along with the plan here of the global elites using the Pentagon as their sack puppet to uh, threaten the rest of the world. And it is happening, of course, in your local courthouse. You got, you know, the the George Soros, the famous George Soros DAs. You can't say that because now you're an anti-Semite. Well, the George Soros DAs are there to make sure they don't prosecute crime and they're there to prosecute you. And make sure that when it comes to um, trying to farm any food on your property, that you better stop doing that and starve, right? This is, this is what happened to Ukraine under Stalin. That's how they starved, you know, 50 million kulaks, right? How they sh- the same thing happened in Ireland during the potato famine, how they starved all the Irish people. This is going to be a starvation game. This is going to be Hunger Games on steroids. You got to recognize what's going to happen. You have to have production of your own food. You have to be responsible, especially in a, in a place of independence and political liberty. You have to be responsible for getting food into you and your child's mouth every day. So, I mean, hunters, fishers, uh, men who, you know, hunter gatherers, you know, people who have survival preparations are going to be okay. But if you're, if your fridge is empty and you're living in a city in a neighborhood, uh, the, the, the music is going to stop and you're not going to have a chair. Okay. So it's, it's going to get bad. And so the other parts of the world will, uh, you know, they're going to war, will threaten each other with nuclear weapons. And then th- that's how this whole thing is going to come completely unwound within three weeks. You know, so people are, it's, it's terrifying. And our normalcy bias will not allow us to break from our normal routine, you know, the normal routine of survival that we have now to get up early, go to work, punch a ticket, get a paycheck, pay your, uh, your taxes to the IRS, be a good citizen, uh, watch what you click on, on your keystrokes on your phone because you don't want the FBI to investigate you. So, you know, don't, don't really just listen to CNN and whatever dribble they give you and, and that will shape your world. But of course, this is the pathway of the lemmings and this is the pathway of total destruction because if you don't have they're all going to have their parachutes out. They'll have their planes gassed up. They'll have their golden parachutes ready. They'll have their chateaus in, across the world in France and in Belgium and every, everywhere they will just take off to to, uh, to miss out on the smoldering and the, the dying screams of the starving and the, uh, you know, the people with the radiation burns. I mean, the global elite are not going to be participating in that part of the, the leg of the journey with you. But up until there, uh, up until then, you're going to hear their voices. You'll hear Kamala Harris's insane demagogic uh, blathering, uh, you know, and she truly is a, a, a you know, a, a dyed in the wool ex-prostitute Washington, D.C. level statesperson. I mean, that's how you get there, guys. That's how you get into the vice presidency, just like Kamala Harris did. And, and you have to and, and really like Mike Pence did, too. You just have to give enough strokes, give enough, uh, you know handies or whatever it takes you know you do whatever it takes whatever they want you get yourself wedged into the position it's just like biden and was it good for america was it was it was him wedging his pathetic depraved ego into the white house into the oval office and by any means necessary you know just stealing stealing it out from underneath the american people and donald trump was that good for america is anything these people do good for america of course not so the the whole combination and the entire summation of this equation is going to end up with you at home with your power out with your lights out with no information no more smartphone no more digital advantage in the world uh trying to find a way to survive for the next 36 hours